Hello, and welcome to The Promise of Discovery, a podcast where members and investigators at the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center talk about their research in intellectual and developmental disabilities. Hello, guys. My name is Leanne Sionez, and I'm a research assistant under Dr. Alan Lewis at Vanderbilt University Medical Center. I'll allow Dr. Lewis to introduce himself. Sure, yeah. I'm uh, Alan Lewis. I'm a assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences here at Vanderbilt. Uh, I'm also a Kennedy Center member, and um, I've been here for about four years. And so uh, both do basic neuroscience research as well as uh, see patients in the Vanderbilt uh, University Hospital and Emergency Department. So happy to happy to chat about our work today. Yeah, of course. Um, so just briefly, can you tell us about uh, what you're currently studying right now? Yeah, so our lab is really focused on a brain area called the hippocampus. And the hippocampus is one of a number of brain areas that's important for learning and memory amongst other important behavioral uh, things that are important for uh, behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, we're interested in uh, the hippocampus primarily because um, learning and memory uh, is is impacted in a number of uh, neurodevelopmental conditions, uh, including schizophrenia and autism. Uh, And so our our hope is that our research can be helpful for um, better understanding those conditions and potentially uh, treating those. Mm -hmm. Um, So what participants do you use? Do you use um, people, animals, and um, which, why do you use um, whichever? Yes. So um, our basic neuroscience research is all focused on rodent models, and we we focus on rodents, specifically mice, uh, because we can get really good specificity for studying specific cell types and studying where those cells send messages to in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so while those are not uh, humans, and there's definitely uh, a large gap between mice and humans, they give us the ability to uh, study uh, specifics that we can't do in in humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so why do you think this topic is important to help people with neurological disorders? Sure. Yeah. So let me let me talk a little bit more specifically about um, you know the projects that we've been working on over the. Okay last couple of years. And Mm -hmm. I I just wanted to put a a plug in for the Kennedy Center because they've actually um, supported uh, a a lot of our work. So we're really, really appreciative of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So within the hippocampus, uh, which again is this this brain area that's really important for learning and memory, uh, we study a specific part of the hippocampus called the dentate gyrus. And the reason that this is an important part of the hippocampus is because this is sort of the gatekeeper or uh, uh, the part of the hippocampus that interfaces with a number of other uh, other regions in the brain. So the way that the dentate functions is really important for how the rest of that information gets into the hippocampus and how the hippocampus uh, can then ultimately perform its its role in, in uh, memory formation and retrieval. 
So we study a specific cell type in the hippocampus called mossy cells. And uh, these cells are really important for a number of basic hippocampal functions. Uh, but one of the things that uh, our lab and, and a number of other labs have shown is that these uh, cell types are really important for very um, fine-grained uh, distinguishing between very similar experiences. So, yeah. uh, you know, for example, remembering where you parked your car today in the parking garage uh, is a, uh, your, your experience in the parking garage today was probably quite similar to what it was yesterday, but despite them being very similar experiences, you still need to remember where you parked your car in the garage today. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, part of the role of, of these mossy cells and, and other cells in the uh, dentate and hippocampus is uh, really fine grain distinguishing between uh, similar experiences. Mm -hmm. And that has actually been shown to be impaired in many different psychiatric disorders, including schizophrenia um, and a number of other neurodevelopmental conditions too, mm -hmm. as well as things like post-traumatic stress disorder. And so, you know, not only is our work, we think important for understanding sort of how the brain does memory at a basic level, but also how uh, those memory functions can be impaired and contribute to symptoms in different um, psychiatric or um, other related conditions. Mm -hmm. So um, our, our hope is that we can, um, you know, use this basic biology to then develop more targeted uh, targeted treatments based on the underlying mechanisms. Mm -hmm. um, so you gave an example of um, a person trying to remember something uh, or trying to remember where they parked a certain day. Mm -hmm. um, if you take it back to like the mouse model, are there certain um, like experiments that we can do to kind of get like similar um, results? And then if there are, um, are there different mouse types or um, breeds to use as well? Yeah, great question. So um, uh, thankfully, there's, there's actually a lot of really good behavioral tests that we can we can do in mice, uh, which allows us to sort of ask them whether they can distinguish between uh, two things that are really similar. So, mm -hmm. you know, while we can't, we can't uh, literally say, you know, which one is, you know, the same and which one is different, mm -hmm. uh, we can develop uh, or we can use different um, techniques to uh, so that their behavior can show us whether they can distinguish these things. So yeah. one of the most common things that um, can be used is something called contextual fear conditioning, which is kind of a complicated sounding name, but essentially all it is, is um, putting a mouse in a box that has different cues on the wall or other cues like different scents or um, textures of the ground and giving them a mild uh, a foot shock and mice uh, uh, show a very characteristic response to that foot shock, which is freezing. And in a mouse that has intact memory, uh, when you take the mouse out of the box that they got uh, shocked in and then return them to that box some number of hours later, those mice will remember that this is the context that I got shocked in and they can show us, so to speak, that they remember that by freezing again. And so what we can do is we can adjust how similar 
uh, the, the sort of test box is to where they got shocked in. And uh, that enables us to tell whether mice can distinguish um, that that was a setting that they got shocked in. So that's one of the really common paradigms. And mm -hmm. by making them uh, uh, using context where we shock them in one context, but don't shock them in a very, very similar other context, um, we can show over time that the mice can learn to distinguish between these two contexts. And we know that um, when you uh, have damage to certain parts of the dentate gyrus or the hippocampus, um, or change the types of cells that are present in the dentate gyrus, uh, mice are unable to do that. Uh, to, they're unable to distinguish between these two uh, similar contexts. So this is sort of a, a way that we can specifically study um, how the cells we study are important for um, context discrimination, or also sometimes this is called pattern separation. Mm -hmm. And as far as the different types of mice that we use, um, in, it, it really is a, a dependent on what our focus is for the experiment. So we're uh, lucky that we're living in a sort of a scientific day and age that um, people have discovered ways that we can really specifically target um, the cell types that we're interested in and either activate those cells or re uh, inactivate those cells or even um, put some sort of recording probe uh, near those cells and specifically record activity from those cells when mice are doing different behaviors. So it's actually a really exciting time to be doing this type of um, neuroscience research. Um, you know, we've never before had, you know, the, the specificity of tools and the, you know, the range of tools that we have now to really mm -hmm. understand how certain cell types and also their connections to other cell types contribute to these types of behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, with the te new technologies and many different mice that um, people can use in research, what are ways that you can like damage the hippocampus and um, study the effects of that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a really important question. So I think it, it depends on what, what is the question that you're trying to answer. So for mm -hmm. example, um, if uh, one of the mouse models that we use in the lab is a mouse model of the human 22Q11 deletion syndrome, which in, in humans is caused by basically a, a deletion of a chunk of um, uh, sort of genetic information code uh, called the chromosome, um, and that leads to a deletion of a number of different genes. Uh, and in humans, that can lead to uh, different forms of uh, neurodevelopmental uh, conditions that look very similar to either autism or schizophrenia or learning disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, they can also lead to cardiac problems or um, a number of other sort of um, non-brain problems as well. Um, and this sort of... Uh, deletion allows us to look in, uh, we can actually make the same deletion in mice. Um, the, the genes are organized in such a way that we can delete a very similar part of the chromosome in, in mice. And so that we can study this, you know, major risk factor for um, psychiatric conditions in mice. Um, and so um, that uh, we can, we can use that, that mouse to then study how um, certain brain regions are affected, and then also like how 
um, manipulating certain cell types or brain regions can perhaps um, improve behavioral deficits that are associated with that with that deletion. Um, there's other ways that we can more specifically uh, uh, damage uh, or change the activity of certain brain regions. We can do this in uh, reversible or irreversible ways. So one of the common ways of studying um, the cell type called mossy cells that we study um, is to very specifically ablate these cells. Ablate is just a fancy word for kill the cells, but leave the rest of the cells intact. And that helps us understand what the function of those cells are, both in short time periods, and then understand how the hippocampus and perhaps the, you know, entire brain sort of rewires after those cells are gone. And so the nice thing about that is the mouse is, you know, perfectly happy and, uh, you know, uh, and, and is able to continue to do behavioral experiments. And so we can see how that behavior changes over time uh, after the loss of, of mossy cells. So that's uh, one common way that, that people study those cell types, but also many other cell types in the, in the brain. Um, so overall, like with all the projects that you've done over the years, um, how do you think this will help people in the future with disabilities? Yeah, I, you know, I think our, our hope is that by understanding the, the mechanisms as to how these cell types contribute to, to memory, that when, when we go to try and understand ways to treat um, these conditions, that we can do it in such a way that that is really based on uh, based on the evidence or the mechanism that that we think is important, mm-hmm. um, and so uh, I, I think of um, this this work not specifically as kind of um, a treatment work or, or uh, you know kind of at the sort of the the end of um, uh, you know the I guess sort of the drug discovery, you know, process mm-hmm. from sort of like you know basic science to to humans, but um, the hope is that um, it, it can contribute. So, as an example, um, our our most recent study um, showed that uh, mossy cells, especially mossy cells in one part of the hippocampus called the ventral hippocampus, express uh, strongly express a receptor called the glucagon-like uh, peptide 1 receptor, and it can be abbreviated GLP-1 receptor. And this is important because um, uh, GLP-1 receptor can be activated by a number of different uh, drugs that are currently in existence um, but for other, uh, for, for different, completely different purposes. So GLP-1 receptor agonists, uh, which are uh, drugs that activate the GLP-1 receptor, uh, are commonly used to treat diabetes uh, mm-hmm. because the GLP-1 receptor is, is in the, the pancreas um, and secretes, you know, helps secrete insulin. But the interesting thing is that, you know, these drugs also can get into the brain and um, potentially um, could be used to uh, modulate or, or change the activity of cells that express uh, that that receptor, which we think includes mossy cells, and perhaps could change the way uh, the dentate functions. Um, and so, to me, this is a really, uh, really critical form of research because uh, 
finding new ways to use existing drugs uh, would cut out years and years and, and hundreds of millions of dollars of um, cost to develop completely new therapeutics. Um, and so I think that this is a, a potentially good example for how um, basic science research, that's not necessarily sort of directed with any specific treatment goal or endpoint can um, open new avenues that actually might might have true therapeutic um, potential um, in yeah. the in the near term rather than the very very long term because we know it takes you know many many years to develop uh, uh, completely new drugs. Yeah, um, what have you learned so far? Kind of like going into that direction. Yeah, so our our studies basically have shown that um, uh, we can give a systemic injection. So you know, similar to how humans use uh, these these drugs, you can give a, a systemic injection of uh, a drug called Exendin-4, which is similar to the human drug Exenatide, and we can activate um, mossy cells in the ventral or the uh, basically the bottom portion of the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. And based on some of our earlier work and, and a number of other groups' earlier work, uh, that uh, modulation of those specific types of mossy cells can have important effects uh, throughout the uh, hippocampus, including on learning and memory. So our thought is that um, perhaps in brain systems where there are changes in mossy cells, so maybe too few mossy cells or the function of the mossy cells is, is, is abnormal, uh, perhaps we can normalize or, or modify the um, activity of, of these specific mossy cell um, populations and maybe correct their function and have some uh, benefit on memory. So, um, you know, our lab right now um, is interested in, in both understanding sort of how mossy cells are changed um, in, in models like the 22Q model, mm -hmm. um, but also whether um, GLP-1 receptor agonists like Exendin-4 or Exenatide can perhaps um, uh, correct uh, some of those deficits within that mouse model. Um, mm -hmm. So we sort of try and kind of um, walk on both lines of sort of the, the basic science, but also try and understand sort of translational relevance um, mm -hmm. uh, that, could, that could truly benefit patients um, in time. Um, so you said, um, you mentioned studying the ventral hippocampus in mice. What is that equivalent to in um, humans? Yeah, so that's a great question. So one of the nice things, uh, you know, uh, sometimes neuroanatomy and, and neural function between mice and humans uh, doesn't doesn't translate so well. But it seems like, with regard to the hippocampus, uh, the the ventral hippocampus is uh, fairly similar to the front part of the hippocampus in humans, which is called the anterior hippocampus. And the interesting thing about the hippocampus is that depending on what, what part um, you're focused on, that part can have very different functions. So we think that uh, the anterior hippocampus uh, in the human brain or the ventral hippocampus in um, the rodent brain is, is really important for uh, things like anxiety and, and uh, mood or affect um, or other um, sort of um, other, other things that are important for, you know, what we call homeostasis in the, in the organism, which is, is basically kind of like um, 
sort of the functions that need to sort of keep the uh, organism alive. But mm -hmm. the dorsal hippocampus um, or the posterior hippocampus in, in humans, we think is much more important for um, spatial navigation and um, uh, different forms of, of, of um, declarative memory. Mm -hmm. uh, the interesting thing I think about these mossy cells is based on um, where they send um, their projections to within the hippocampus is that these cells in the ventral hippocampus can actually really affect function uh, also in the dorsal hippocampus, the other part of the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. So um, we think that something like these GLP-1 receptor agonists uh, might actually have uh, play an important role in hippocampal function across uh, what we call the, the hippocampal long axis, which is, which is basically uh, from the dorsal to the ventral uh, portion of the hippocampus. Mm -hmm. How come, uh, do you have any theory of why the dorsal and ventral parts of the hippocampus do different functions since it's part of the same um, structure and yeah. kind of how they communicate with each other? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's an excellent question and it's something that, that people have really studied for, for some time and I think have uh, has really uh, grown to be a, a, a completely um, kind of critically important aspect of hippocampal biology. So it seems like the organization of the uh, neural inputs to the hippocampus are uh, um, differ depending on whether you're talking about the dorsal or ventral hippocampus. So the inputs uh, are different. So um, the major sort of um, inputs from other uh, parts of the cortex, like an area called the entorhinal cortex, are different depending on where you're, whether you're talking about the dorsal or the ventral hippocampus. And then the projections from the dorsal and ventral hippocampus, uh, which means the, 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 where the cells of those two parts of the hippocampus um, talk to in the rest of the brain, they also um, can, can differ. And so it, it seems like there's some very sort of exquisite uh, what we would call topographic organization, which basically is just sort of, you know, these these projections don't sort of go, you know, willy-nilly all over the place. They're very tightly controlled. And um, when um, there are processes, either genetic or environmental, um, that interfere with sort of the development of, you know, these projections, um, that's you know potentially one one reason why we can see sort of very specific deficits in certain um, uh, psychological or, or behavioral uh, aspects. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it has a lot of relevance for neurodevelopmental disorders. Nice. Um, yeah, I think one of kind of my last questions that I have is just kind of like, what do you hope to see in the future regarding your studies um, and just treatments in general? Yeah, so this is something I think about a lot is sort of how can we have the, the most impact, you know, from our, our, our work. And, you know, as a physician scientist, um, you know, and somebody who, um, you know, we, we see, you know, every, every time we work with patients in the hospital or the clinic, um, just how, um, you know, how much we, we currently know, but also how much we, we don't know. Um, and so my, my hope is, is really that um, our work can form the foundation for treatments that can really help, help people in the, in the near term. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's why I was really excited about this um, uh, 
you know, some of this, this very, you know, basic and early work looking at the GLP-1 receptor. Um, and, you know, I, I just genuinely hope that we can have, you know, some positive impact uh, on function in, in yeah. patients. And I think, you know, one of the things that uh, is really encouraging from the, the sort of clinical uh, experiences that, that we have is that, um, you know, we know a lot of sort of simple things can be really helpful for patients. And so, you know, we don't necessarily have to be uh, looking for, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, we would, we would think of as like a cure for different conditions, mm -hmm. We're really just trying to uh, find ways that we can sort of support function and quality of life for, you know, people and their families. And we know that um, cognition in a number of, you know, psychiatric and neurodevelopmental disorders really has a really important impact on, on function. So um, basic things like, you know, whether people can, um, uh, get employment and stay employed and, and have, um, meaningful, uh, uh, relationships and, uh, you know, be members of their community. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think that, that anything that we can do that can improve that, um, and can be scalable too. So something that can be, you know, delivered to a number of patients, um, would really have a have a huge impact, and so I, I, I hope that our our work can ultimately um, move the needle, you know, in a positive direction uh, for yeah. for uh, those those conditions. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, is there anything else you would like to clear up or add? Um... No, no. I just uh, you know really wanted to to thank you for you know uh, spending the the morning with me and to yeah. thank the Kennedy Center for you know, not only supporting our work, which is, you know, always, always appreciated, but uh, for, you know, just being a real, uh, really remarkable uh, source of support for uh, this community. And um, actually, you know, nationally, I think people turn to the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center mm -hmm. for uh, good, clear information um, and, you know, cutting edge research in, in um, basic biology and, and for um, helping improve uh, neurodevelopmental function. So, um, yeah, this was, was really fun to talk about our work and I, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Lewis. And thank you to the Kennedy Center as well. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Promise of Discovery. Be sure to visit the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center website at vkc.vumc.org to learn more about today's episode. And tune in next time for more on the innovative research and intellectual and developmental disabilities from the Vanderbilt Kennedy Center.